politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, and all that matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday, June the 15th, which actually is a pretty important date in history. You know, when we talk about fighting anew as if it's 1776, it's actually even more than that. We're not just reverting back to pre-revolutionary time. We're reverting back to pre-enlightenment and pre-the foundations of the enlightenment, which were a couple hundred years before. So June 15th was the date that King John signed the Magna Carta. And it was Clause 39 was one of the most important. No free man shall be arrested or imprisoned or deceased, or outlawed, or exiled, or in any way victimized, except by the lawful judgment of his peers, or by the law of the land. And yet here today, we have gone back to pre-Magna Carta notion. We are now run by a government that believes it it, it can do because it can. Okay? If they believe something, if they will something, they will make it happen. It doesn't matter. And then you have half the country that abides by that. So you need to talk about a lawful judgment of your peers. Well, you can't get that anymore. Because if you're on the other side of this cold civil war, and you're in a place where the jury pool is like that, you're screwed. So today is actually a very important date in history. And it just underscores that we cannot fight yesterday's issue. We have to look ahead of the curve. The conservative movement, one of their hallmarks is that the only fight after it's too late, after we lost the game, after the ball is no longer in play, when we need to be preempting the next you know, onslaught that we're going to incur. It's like I watched the GOP, they're still... They'll fight school closures. Mind you, they didn't fight it at the time, and they went along with it. Their hearings so far have been very weak on COVID. We haven't had that reckoning, and I want to start off today with that reckoning and how they're already approving new shots. They're continuing this. There's so many people who need help. The window is closing for this game as they go on to the next, and we're not even on the previous game. We're a couple tranches behind. So we'll talk about some of the new information that came out and what needs to be done. But there's this general lack of a sense of urgency that you have to articulate the key points, utilize every leverage point, stay focused, stay disciplined, and go for the kill. A lot of this is going to be with the budget bills. We need to put our riders into the budget bills. It is going to tie into the presidential election. It's going to tie into other primaries. I mean, heck, why do we only have one governor seeking a grand jury and a reckoning? So, you know, we have other gubernatorial races. We have Mississippi, a rhino up there for re-election. We need to focus on the issue in front of us. Republicans will always be right on an issue after it's long too late. 
So I view COVID biomedical fascism and transgenderism as the consummate issues for which we're on the cusp of breaking through if we would only fight now, but that window is narrowing. And the leading voice that silences all others on our side is bed on both of those issues. So just something to keep in mind there. But first, before we begin, as always, we are sponsored by a new sponsor, actually a new product of an old sponsor, Pure Health Research. They have a lot of great innovative products that are anti-inflammatory. One of them is joint support. After I read to you this uh, new Pfizer report, uh, you're definitely going to want to head over to getjointhelp.com slash Daniel to order your joint support. What is it? It contains seven of Mother Nature's best superfoods for supporting comfortable, healthy, and flexible joints. A big part of what you're going to see on these adverse event reports is a lot of people are suffering from these chronic, chronic inflammatory disorders in their joints. It uh, Joint support helps promote healthy cartilage growth. And again, it's all natural uh, ingredients, one small capsule a day, so very user-friendly. And as a listener of our show, you can try joint support risk-free today and get a free 30-day supply of omega-3 when you take advantage of the special off- offer. Oh, and by the way, you get two free eBooks on promoting holistic health. Uh, Pure Health always loves to give out gifts. So you head over to getjointhelp.com, getjointhelp.com slash Daniel. So it's a URL. Um, order joint support and claim your free bottle of omega-3 while supplies last, as well as your two free e- eBooks. That's joint, get joint, get joint help, get jointhelp.com slash Daniel. So I have this piece out that went viral, went everywhere um, about Pfizer's latest document. And I, I want to just build the foundation here. So we were told for so long, oh, it's just VAERS. Anyone could report it. It's just made up. Well, now we have the document where Pfizer themselves observed everything that was being reported to VAERS from day one, everything that the academic literature from the academic studies, the case studies were reporting from day one. And that is that typically when you have a product, even a bad product, it has one or two known side effects, mainly, and they're usually not serious. Whereas this one has side effects that span the scope of every single organ system, every corner of the body, and one-third of them were serious. It's like, it's not even like we've reverted back to times where government treats their people like lab rats. It's not even a lab rat because they, they, they knew exactly what this would do. They know the lipid nanoparticles spread inflammation everywhere they go, and they go everywhere. But now we have Pfizer themselves. So, we talked a lot about, we've had uh, British journalist Sonia Elijah on, and she talked about these European Medicine Agency um, post-marketing pharmacovigilance documents. And we, we've mentioned these top lines before. But what this is, and you could go to conservativereview.com, you'll see my piece, and... 
what you'll find there is a 393-page document linked to that lists the – it tallies the categories of organ system reports by numbers. So you could see a bunch of macro numbers. You could see – you could search by ailment, all of the you that you know feel like you have some sort of ailment. So we already have the Pfizer document from the FDA – in the USA much earlier in February of 2021, where they list about 1,400 or so ailments, again, many serious, rare ailments that they were seeing. This is a little bit more detailed. It tallies the exact number. And again, this is just what they had reported to them. But the point is, this is Pfizer themselves, a confidential Pfizer document that the European Medicines Agency order release. It only came to light. It circulated on the internet. I don't, I don't even know the first person to uh, release this document. Maybe it was last month. I found it. It looks like no one else really did. Maybe someone else did write about it. I can't find it. But the point is, this was the cumulative observational adverse events they had through July 2022. That's almost a year ago. They were sitting on this. Now imagine all the months subsequent to that, because it's only recently that a lot of the mandates fell. They had all these mandates and everything, but we're well beyond the mandates. This is straight up genocide. And how we cannot have a reckoning is just unreal. But anyway, I made a little bit of a mistake in not being clear in this piece. Because there was a certain analysis, and I'm about to mention, that was done based off of a tranche of 1.6 million adverse events. But that was just a certain analysis portion of it. The total amount of AEs that they observed was 4.96 million, just shy of 5 million. So they knew about 5 million adverse events, many of them serious and rare Spanning the gambit of 10,000, at least it's somewhere between 10 and 11,000. I haven't tallied it up completely. 10, 11,000 categories of ailments, the breadth of scope of injuries. And again, it's nothing we didn't know from VAERS, from all the case studies, from everything. But the point is, this is Pfizer's document. This is what Pfizer was observing the entire time. They were observing the entire time, and the FDA knew about it, the European Medicines Agency knew about it, the British equivalent knew about it, and they said nothing. I did an estimate, and trying to find it here, that if you were to read a quick 200 words per minute, and that's very quick, I, I'm, I'm just estimating because it's hard to know because each ailment, some are three words, some are five or six words, but a very conservative estimate, it would take Pfizer at least three hours to read the disclaimer with all the categories of known potential AEs in a commercial that they've been running on taxpayer blood and money, but of course have not been disclosing this. And again, this is part of the PREP Act and the 1986 Act 
needs to be repealed. Shockingly, we do not have a bill introduced in Congress yet. It's unreal. It would take over three hours for them to read something like that. I mean, you know, you typically have pharmaceutical drugs that you often have the disclaimer of the ad longer than the portion of the ad that's promoting it. And mind you, a lot of these things are, it's not that it's 100% proven they cause it, but any signals they see, you have to put it. So like, Daniel, that's the signal. It's not proven. It doesn't work that way, buddy. Now, first of all, by now it is proven with the mechanism of action and all the studies and the macro data. There's seven different ways that it all coalesces around the same thing. But the point is Pfizer knew this. And the point is, even without all that stuff, it's guilty until proven innocent. When you see within that window, and again, the ones reported to Pfizer are overwhelmingly going to be immediate. The long-term ones, no one reports it. They don't even realize it's happening. It's woefully underreported, obviously. But they had a database of 5 million as of last July. The report was issued August 19th. The reporting was through July. And they knew about this. And yet, not only is it not taken off the market, and heck, people are still being pressured, in some cases discriminated against for not getting it, even now. Not only are people from Pfizer and the FDA not in jail, but they were rewarded for lying and covering up 5 million AEs with approval of their next rushed prima facie dangerous vaccine, the RSV shot. So, want to delve into some of these numbers and what needs to be done in the sense of urgency we need to have. And we can't be, yeah, I know, I know in a few years from now, everyone will be saying this. But we can't always be three years behind the curve. We have to fight it at the time it matters. Now, speaking of fighting at the time it matters, folks, increasingly, when you're stuck in a BLM situation with a jailbreaked criminal targeting you and your loved one, you need to be able to pull that trigger effectively, efficiently, and not miss. When it comes to handgun defense, you need to practice. Practice is very expensive because ammo is expensive. That's why I recommend iTarget Pro. What is iTarget Pro? It's recommended by law enforcement for dry fire practice. You put a dummy bullet in your gun and you, uh, I mean, they have for all calibers from 9mm, 45 cal, 223 for rifles, so you could do rifle rounds as well. And you could use their, their boards, their app, and they also have iTarget Cube, which is the next generation. It's fully compatible with your existing laser bullets. And you could station different cubes throughout your house and do clearing drills and it will on the app track your accuracy and time so this is a it's a fun way to practice again make sure to follow all the safety regulations um shoot in a safe direction not have anyone else within the uh line of fire and don't have real ammo with you uh, right now, save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code CR when you go to the the letter I, Target, Pro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code CR, 10% off plus free shipping. So pretty much after one practice, that's going to get you enough 
or enough savings that you're pretty much going to save um, the cost of your purchase with, uh, you know, preventing you from going to the range one time and uh, putting about 200 rounds down range, you know, about 100 bucks there. So this is really, it also makes a great Father's Day gift. Um, I don't know if it would come in time now, but in general, if you're looking for a great dad gift, a husband gift for you women out there, this is a great, great gift. Um, as long as you own some sort of firearm, you know, just know the caliber. And again, go to itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So folks, number one, we find that 35% of all their AEs were deemed as serious by Pfizer. So that in itself is a huge, huge problem. And again, they saw all of this from day one. We, we talked about this before, both Pfizer and the FDA and CDC. Forget about January 2021, August 2020. They were contracting with General Dynamics to, to run the VAERS system, expecting thousands of, of entries per day. They knew what this would do, and I, I have more stuff I can't talk about, but that's, that's going to come down the pipeline. They, they, they knew. Um, but but t- it, so, so there, there's a safety signal of the amount of AEs you have, but then there's a separate, distinct safety signal of the percentage of whatever AEs you have that are serious. Because that shows there's something really wrong. Because typically, yeah, you, you, you screw with the body with anything, even something that's generally safe. You'll have some diarrhea. You have a little queasiness from things. What, you know, what are common side effects? Um, blurred vision to a certain extent and certainly headaches. When you start seeing these rare, vascular, inflammatory, nervous system, auto-antibody type of things... It's like, what the freaking heck? The point is, you can't miss this. Myocarditis is just the tip of the iceberg. There's over 500 categories with a greater safety signal. This is not from the Pfizer document, but it reaffirms it. It's from from VAERS, from CDC's own analysis of VAERS, by the way. Courtesy of Professor Josh Gutzko, who found this in, in FOIAs. So... The breadth of this and the scope of it is astounding. It's not like, oops, you know, throughout history, we kind of missed a safety signal. This tends to do this to your liver. It tends to, you know, it's kind of like one pathway. This thing screws up every corner of your body. It's nuts. Women reported AEs at three times the rate of men. That also is a huge red flag. When, when you see such a big gender divide, like what, what what's it doing there? 60% of cases were reported with either outcome unknown or not recovered. Meaning it wasn't known if they recovered or they definitively did not recover. People like Maddie DeGarry. So many of these injuries were not transient. And again, this is another thing when like, Oh, Daniel, I thought for a part that you didn't prove to me anything. Again, that's not the standard for pharmacovigilance. What's the purpose of pharmacovigilance if you're going to then ignore it? And it's not just like you ignore it for a couple of weeks with the intent of doing autopsies and following up and affirming or denying the safety signal. We're on three years and they won't affirm it or deny it. But, but here's the kicker. 
the highest number of cases occurred in those aged 31 to 50, and 92% did not have comorbidities. So it makes it extremely unlikely to suggest it's just incidental. So just here, here's some top lines I that I just gleaned from this. Um, Pfizer was aware of 73,542 cases of 264 categories of vascular disorders. Again, many of them extremely rare. The breadth and scope of this is astounding. Hundreds, I don't know the exact number because it's like a bunch of pages. I want to guess 400, 500 categories worth of nearly 700,000 cases of nervous system disorders and and this is this is really where you start getting into long-term things you know anything that's going to be stroke related um autoimmune just just crazy and and by the way I don't know if I mentioned this before but one of the things I looked for is is the case of Maddie DeGarry so it's chapter 16 in my book if you haven't gotten stolen uh um rise of the fourth reich it's chapter 16 Manny DeGarry was diagnosed. It took it took many years to diagnose her because doctors wouldn't want to diagnose because they don't get reimbursed. So they had to go without insurance and just you know pay out of cash. They finally got a di- diagnosis of chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, and it's basically an extremely rare disorder of your nervous system attacking the body. And that's why she's wheelchair brown bound, trouble breathing, swallowing. I mean, it's it's really bad news. I found they knew about sixty eight cases of that, and again, that's going to be all these things are going to be woefully underreported. You know, obviously, out of the five million, you're going to have a couple of incidentals, a couple of random things that are not from the vaccine, but it's overwhelmingly, um overcompensated for a net underreporting of all the things that did happen that certainly uh, are from the vaccine that never got into them. And, and the longer you get outside the window, the more people just don't report it, don't even realize it. All of you guys that email me every day about how you're certain you have a family member that it's obvious to you it's from the vaccine, but to them, you know, they don't realize it. You have... 61,500 AEs from well over 100 categories of eye disorders. Again, when do you ever see something like that? But that's, again, the lipid nanoparticles breaking the hardest, most impervious, God-designed blood barriers and all, all different barriers in your body that this thing allows the mRNA to get the immune system response in Every last aspect of your body. And that, and that's the key. The key is that, and, and we're going to have all the documentation eventually, that they knew from long before a single person got this that it didn't stay in your shoulder muscle and the LNPs created inflammation in a wake of destruction wherever it went, which is everywhere. And similarly, 47,000 ear disorders. I saw 16,000 cases of tinnitus. Right, this even the Mayo Clinic admits very common. Um, we see this all over the place, and it's and I don't I I don't have it in front of me now. How many designate as serious? They might not designate that as serious, but for a lot of people, 
their life is over. I mean, if you have, if it doesn't go away, I mean, tinnitus is is really bad. Um, there were roughly two hundred twenty five thousand cases of skin and tissue disorders, one hundred ninety thousand cases of respiratory disorders, over one hundred seventy eight thousand cases of reproductive or breast disorders, including, and then also on the male side too, five hundred and six cases of erectile dysfunction. I'm just, just, these are just, I mean, you can go through it and, and, and let me know what you find. I haven't had time, but I've seen like even a couple cases of male breast cancer. Again, and, and, and the point of this rare, the, these rare disorders is because God created your body that there's a lot of things that it's hard for bad stuff to get to. The Pfizer shots were created to ensure that as many bad things could get to as many places that it shouldn't get to. And it was done on purpose. There's no way it wasn't. You couldn't create this if, if you tried by accident or if you didn't try. Now, we've talked also a lot about Dr. McCullough has led on this, that there's people that are just nuts after they get the shot. Meaning when you say you have a neurological disorder, that's like physical where they, they get, you know, like like a stroke or, or dizziness, demyelination or whatever. Um, but he's noticed that there's just psychotic episodes afterwards they have 77,000 cases of psychiatric disorders i mean this is pfizer's confidential document don't shoot the messenger 3,711 cases of tumors and and this is a big deal because again cancer is going to be one of these things that is is going to be very rarely traced back you just don't – because it's like you don't feel well the next day. You feel paralyzed, okay, so that you'll be more likely to report back. But cancer is not something you – in your own mind, much less the doctor or anyone else, is going to trace back to the vaccine. So that is a massive signal, even though it's not like a gargantum number, 3,700. That's that's huge. That's more than theirs. Um, obviously, as expected, there were over 127,000 cardiac disorders running the gambit of about 270 different categories of um, heart disorders, much more than just myocarditis, pericarditis, all sorts of things that you know cardiologists will tell you they don't see too often. 100,000 blood and lymphatic disorders. And again, obviously, there's a wealth of literature on all of this stuff. And then I saw, and I'm trying to see the number in front of me, and I'll dig this up, but congenital defects, like birth defects, that's a really, I mean, this is another one of those things that if you mention to people, they'll say that's a conspiracy theory. And yet Pfizer's own, so before that, I just, I'm jumping around here, almost 20,000 cases of gastrointestinal pain. So that, that's a little bit more than just, you know, a stomach ache or diarrhea. But I'm trying to find here congenital, familial, and genetic disorders. 1,143. Again, that's similar to cancer because that's really removed. That's a, a delay in the pregnancy and then that's a new life, the baby. When you start seeing I, I don't even know what to say. We, we kind we knew this before, but the point is, this is this is not even a government document. I mean, the government ordered it, but it's Pfizer's document. 
This should be like blowing the roof off of every investigatory committee in 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 uh the house. But instead we got nothing. They're focused on yesterday's battle with the school closures. And they think this is over. But obviously this is not over. Now, I want to see some more specifics, but I like what I heard from Governor DeSantis. It wasn't on the campaign trail. It was some he was signing the budget. It was a it was a you know state official business. And it's about a two-minute clip we'll play here. Two minutes of it. It's a little bit longer. He was asked about the grand jury. And he starts about talking about that and a few other things. Let's take a listen to the governor here. If you look at those studies that were provided uh, in, in December of 2020, they said you had 100% effectiveness with MNRA COVID jabs. That is not true. We know it's not true. How do we know? Because we had so many people get it, and then you had Delta variant, you had all this stuff happening, and they've never been honest about any of this stuff. And I think Florida's Department of Health is the only one that's even looked at any of the incidents like myocarditis. We've seen an increase in Florida, particularly with men under the age of 40. So that's just the reality. And I think the idea that somehow you just sweep everything under the rug when people were not uh, told the truth, uh, that doesn't fly. So Florida, we're going with this. There is going to be action. I I am not involved in it because it's a secret proceeding. You know, unlike feds, we don't leak this stuff. So it's actually going on. They're doing it. And they're, they're following the rules. And so, and I, I'm, I can't be involved in it. And so it's happening. So you're going to see stuff with that. But, you know, what I've said in Washington is, you know, we need a reckoning about what happened during COVID with this federal government because they underwrote, they supported policies that were destructive to this country. Uh, and they did it without remorse. They have not met mistakes, whether it's lockdowns, whether it's masking. There was a U.S. congressman just the other day on the House floor saying that uh, he regretted that two-year-olds weren't forced to wear masks more during, during the pandemic. So, so these people have not learned any lessons. And make no mistake, if we don't bring accountability to bear on Fauci, on CDC, on NIH, on all these, on all these corrupted institutions, they are going to do it again. So, folks, f- first, um, well, let me start backwards. He calls for a reckoning. They will do it again. He referenced the congressman. That was Jerry Nadler, the ranking Democrat on judiciary. Um, DeSantis served with him when he was in on, on judiciary in Congress. Jerry Nadler, um, I don't know. I'm trying to get it here. It was a brief clip. He basically said there was no bill on ending mass mandates. God forbid should Republicans actually do that. The bill was on the RAINS Act. So the RAINS Act says that any regulation that the government makes up has to come before Congress for approval, right? I mean, I think it's something we all agree on. And they were trying to give examples of how many like life-saving, amazing things that the executive wants to do that would be impeded. And and he brought up the mask mandate, and he said he literally said two year olds need to be masked. To this day, that's what these guys believe that they will do it when they get the opportunity. And we still have not put in place ways of stopping this. So they're not done with that. Moreover, they're on to bigger and better things. 
I don't think they'll do a full-scale lockdown. That was done one time so that now in the future they could remind people, hey, do you want that to happen? So here's what you need to do. Vaccines, surveillance, tracking, that other stuff, the, the, the cards and everything, the biomedical security surveillance state, they might not do a full-bore lockdown again because they can't get away with it, but they don't need to. But masking could still be a part of that. Now, you know, we've been calling for various policy riders to be put into must-pass authorization bills like the FAA and NDAA, as well as the appropriation bills. Now, some of it I do have to say, I have seen they are putting some of this stuff in. Now, the key element will be, do they stand behind it in September, or do they cave and wind up, you know, signing a, 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 a bargain that doesn't do it? But I want to give a shout out to the Freedom Caucus Chairman Scott Perry, who is a member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. They held a markup on the FAA reauthorization bill. It's another thing considered a, um, you know, federal aviation considered a must-pass bill. And one of the things we were calling for in the FAA reauth is to ban the FAA from ever having vaccine and mask mandates on pilots, on passengers. And he did get that in there by one vote. It did pass. In, add a committee into the bill so that will go to the floor with that in there and we have to make sure they stand behind that um, but this reckoning I mean look at the contrast between DeSantis and Trump on that there will needs to be a reckoning they will do this again and the first part and I didn't play all of it he talks about the grand jury now, a lot of people have been pinging me, and I see a lot of people asking, hey, Daniel, it's been about five months or whatever it's been, or maybe four months since they've sat. They were they, they started in February. Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. Was this just a gimmick or just a talking point? So, you know, you hear the governor mention that legally – he cannot be involved and he cannot leak. And unlike, you know, Alvin Bragg and the feds, he's not going to sit and, and leak stuff. He's going to follow the law. Um, that's what he said. But I have other information. I and, and I will make sure to say no one in the governor's office or the attorney general Moody's office gave it to me because they wouldn't. Um, I happen to know people from Florida in the vaccine injured community. And I'm just going to say they are very heavily involved as witnesses, as victims, as well as their doctors and their lawyers. And they are working very heavily with the attorney general's office. So this thing is very deep. And I'm just going to tell you, the point of the grand jury is not to replicate what people like myself and smarter people and Dr. McCullough and Jessica Rose have been doing for the last two plus years. Here's information, here's information. That that's that's nice. It is to go to the next level on taking people who directly died and got injured by very specific ailments caused by very specific things that can be traced back to provable malfeasance and willful misconduct of how Pfizer knew about that and hid it. That, remember, this is a criminal proceeding. Now, it could be investigatory. As the governor said, it's both. They don't have to um, issue criminal 
indictments against specific people, and I don't have information on that. Like, is there a Pfizer executive living in Florida? I don't the jurisdiction issues. You know how exactly that will. You know, take what, what what's the punchline going to be? But at a minimum, in terms of policy recommendations, similar to uh, the one on human trafficking with illegal aliens, you will have. All I'm just trying to tell you is. I found out about it in a way that's totally legal and it has nothing to do with the governor's office or the attorney's general office. I could assure you there's a lot going on there. Um, this this is a big deal. So that will be important. And I wanted to, you know, as soon as I was able to find out information to convey that, at least in general terms, that I am very happy about what I'm hearing. Um, but I'm not going to delve into the kind of, you know, the specific people who, what, where, when, why. I will just say that obviously some of the experts that will sign off on the testimony will be people that you're familiar with as well as, you know, some new people as well. So that's what's going on in that world. Um, there's just, just a couple more nuggets of information. The week ending May 26th in the UK. So this is the most recent data. Nobody's getting new shots. So when you're talking about this, you're talking about, again, all of this Holocaust-level known degree of injury is short-term. It's short-term. When you're talking about the last few months, you're talking about long-term. Because they're very unlikely to be driven by people who just got the shot. The number of deaths... For the week just ended, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, May 26th, week 21 of this calendar year, in the UK, the number of deaths in private homes, this is very important, is 17.3% above the five-year average. Whereas in hospitals, it's only 6.3% above. So, so almost three times greater at home. And again, that has the COVID shots written all over it well beyond anything that the losers will want to say because the other things will be more like, yeah, you know, um, you create long-term heart damage or this or that. This is boom. It suddenly gets you. It travels all over the body or it could suddenly you have, you know, several mechanisms. We we talked about how the either the the DNA itself is still there to produce more mRNA, or the mRNA is still there and could, could pr produce a spike at any given time and just strike you down. Um, it's this sudden death. Nothing else could explain that. You could say like. You know that there, there's a legacy from the lockdown of long-term neglected care, but you wouldn't find such sudden deaths at home. Most people nowadays die in a hospital. So, you know, unless it's planned hospice, but that's likely, I can't prove it, but that's when, when you find, you know, just a, one, in a, one in a million event like this it's not going to be driven by excess hospice it's going to be something anomalous like sudden deaths so that's written all over it um 
And then they have other settings. I don't know what that means, but it's non-hospital, so 15.8%, so similar. So again, it's it's a lot higher. Overall, the number of deaths registered in the UK was 9.4% above the five-year average. That is still going on. But there's only one man calling for a reckoning. And one man believes that this was the greatest thing ever. No one, no one's ever been injured. So this is something we need to demand. And again, I want to reiterate, aside from the HHS appropriations, that's going to oversee NIH, CDC, FDA, BARDA, you also do have the agriculture appropriations, which is going to cover the FDA. And we need our policy riders on that. And then obviously PAWPAW, the Pandemic and Hazard Preparedness Authorization Act, that expires. And we need to make sure that that is not taken off, that is not authorized until this is dealt with multiple ways. Like, for example, one of the things it does is it oversees the national vaccine stockpiles. Every COVID shot needs to be destroyed from the vaccine stockpile. Again, I mean, we should be well beyond destroying it. We should be like putting people in jail and making sure this doesn't happen again. But I would note that what is so astounding here is that the same Pfizer, could you imagine covering up 5 million known degree of serious, rare categories, every organ system, and they give them a new rushed shot with prima facie more death and injury and reproductive problems, by the way, premature births and neonatal deaths in their own trial data versus placebo for their RSV shot. A rushed shot in 18 months a known problematic shot for for half a century. And there is no backstop. There is no reckoning because there is no sense of urgency. Just like there's no sense of urgency to deal with the Green New Deal and the the irreparable assault on our way of life, our, our, our prosperity, our ability to live freely, the border, the grooming of our children by the year, the percentage being born into not or, or reared into thinking they're the opposite gender. It is truly unbelievable. Truly, truly unbelievable. One other document here from Pfizer. This is an FDA briefing document prepared September 17, 2021 for the vaccine and related Verbac. That's the FDA advisory committee, not CDC's, but the FDA, but this was Pfizer's data. And I note at the time, okay, there's nothing new to you guys, but th- again, this is their own briefing document at the time the FDA and CDC started mandating, that's when they, A, approved community, and B, mandated it in the military and 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 uh, uh, healthcare workers, government workers, private contractors, and then signaled to every employer to do it. I'm going to read you straight up. Um, 
among 18,727 study participants originally randomized to BNT, yabba dabba do the Pfizer shot. Um, a, on average, about a 10-month follow-up period. There were 70.3 cases of COVID per thousand person years because they extrapolated for person years um, in the trial, meaning 70.3 per thousand COVID cases per, per thousand person years among the COVID people, uh, among the Pfizer people, compared to 51.6 51.6 cases per thousand among those assigned to the randomized placebo. They knew in their briefing document while they were deciding to mandate it, they knew from Pfizer's own data. Okay, this is not now. This is almost two years ago. They knew the more you inject, the more you infect. And that's statistically very significant. That's almost a third more. Okay? What is that? I mean, do the math there. I mean, 28% or so off the top of my head, more cases of COVID in the trial group than the placebo group. That is unfreaking believable. That is unreal. Again, it's Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee meeting September 17th, FDA briefing document, application for licensure of a booster dose for community. So we're going to say, get another dose. Yes, the more you inject, the more you infect. Imagine you have, the more you inject, the more you infect as a pretext to go ahead and say, we now need another dose. I mean... I will tell you, my book is is pathetic. Rise of the Fourth Reich. Like, it needs to be rewritten. It doesn't it doesn't capture the extent of the willful genocide. There is no other way around it. The only thing I'm shocked about is here we are in June 2023, and there is no impetus. I, I promise you. It will not get done in Congress. And it's not being done in almost every state legislature and governor. And for that reckoning alone is why I think it's so important to support DeSantis. For that reckoning alone, even though largely I want to focus on national divorce rather than somehow trying to fix the federal government, I think he'll do a hundred times better job than Trump, but... I still don't know, Are we, you know, you're really going to fix the federal government? We need to protect ourselves from it. But again, as I said, having a national voice with power to do that is going to be important. Now, one more important thing, and I think this could be done at a state level too. So we talk a lot about the pandemic treaty, the international health regulations that are coming down the pipeline. But we have here an interstate, forget about the WHO, but within the states, 
an interstate compact to synergize and ratify and codify gubernatorial emergency powers of public health. In other words, what everything that they illegally did in the estates, they want to have a compact to bring it under the color of law and ratify that, yes, you can do this. We talked a lot about, um, with the digital currency and cryptocurrency, the Uniform Law Commission, the ULC. And they're very well-respected because they do a a lot of much-needed coordination of state policies so we we don't have chaos and contract law and things like that, which everyone agrees is necessary. And it's very well regarded, and it's everything they do is accepted. You know, and, and when they have a draft legislation that they send to the states, as we saw with the cryptocurrency provision, where they wanted to basically, you know, grease the skids for a national digital currency and exclude cryptocurrency from an option that would be legal legal tender, before the South Dakota Freedom Caucus raised awareness to it. No one knew about it, even good people. And, you know, all these states, they were going to support it. And then, you know, we pressured um, Christy Known to veto it. She did. Governor DeSantis got ahead of it and a couple others. And, you know, we defeated it in most places in North Dakota. Dirtbag Governor, Governor Burgum actually uh, signed it, and he's now running for president. People need to know that. So they... This comes from David Zweig. He is it's he has a Substack that's independent, but he actually wrote for the Atlantic. And he was one of the few with kind of a mainstream journalistic pedigree that was very good on COVID. He did a lot of good investigatory work. So ever since 2021 in response to COVID, they've been working on a draft Model Public Health Emergency Authority Act. And he notes that um They are working, they have a memo that indicates that the ULC expects the adoption of this act will result in people suing only if the act itself wasn't followed, rather than suing based on the claim that the governor's actions were unconstitutional. So what it does is, it's not like designed to, oh, you know, we don't like everyone doing health or skeletal, just these governors doing what they want. They want to make it more legally acceptable for the governors to do lockdowns, tracing, tracking, control all that stuff. So that's what it does. The act threatens to strip Americans of their legal ability to oppose mandates, lockdowns, or other government orders. It offers total deference to governors in deciding what constitutes an emergency. No evidence would be required for state leaders to impose arbitrary and irrational limits on human liberty. Schools, businesses, churches would be subject to the whims of executive authority and and all of that. And they're meeting in July and they're going to vote to adopt it. Now, their vote is itself is meaningless, but what is meaningful is once they send their draft, if if people don't know about it, even rep- conservatives, they see anything with ULC, oh, they're just kind of synergizing things. No. At a time when we need to abolish these powers, they want to basically synergize it. And, you know, it will basically give the governor like 90 days to issue 90-day lockdowns and and all this stuff, and then um, he could totally extend that pretty much indefinitely. The emergency could be 90 days, and he could repeatedly renew it every 90 days without limitation as long as written notice is provided to the legislature, and the legislature has an opportunity to be in session. Meaning, not that it has to get approval by the legislature. It's unbelievable. 
It's unreal. So if you you could tell they they had to give like a certain bone. So they didn't want to say the governor could do whatever he wants, but that is what it does. So they have this fake provision. Oh, it's 90 days. Oh, but he could renew it indefinitely. Now, in order to kind of, you know, nuance that, they say, well, you know, you have to issue a written notice while the legislature's in session. It is unreal. Every Republican governor needs to be informed of this. Call your state legislature, even if they're not in session. We talk about this all the time. They're not just a vote. They're a voice. You get 20 of the best conservatives in your red state chamber by Camerly to put to write a letter to the governor and say, this um, garbage is dead on arrival. I'll, I'll, I'll try to put out a piece on this that you guys could pass around. But again, what are we talking about with this, with the pandemic treaty? Get ahead of the issue. Don't fight an issue only after it's too late. And we are late into the game with a lot of this stuff. And I'll just close with the transgender stuff. We really have a window. Even the left and the media is talking about it. Oh my gosh, the polling's going the other way. The pushback. Now's not the time to go for, you know, little, little plays here and there. You can't afford that. You can't limit it to female sports. We could live without female sports. We can't live with 50% of children thinking they can be the opposite gender. Thinking it's normal for this androgynous society and everything that comes with that. Okay? See, that's what the Bruce Jenner, Rick Grinnell, Mar-a-Lago Carrie Lake, I hate to say, Orbit is trying to push on you. That, hey, you know, let's just not do the castration of minors. Let's not screw up female sports. But absolutely, gender is fluid. And, and you know, the same way they wrongly said it with homosexuality, they take every licentious behavior. And now that's an immutable character trait, like being born with blue eyes, with blonde hair, with whatever. That is an immutable trait. And you have to respect that and promote it, and and again, they, they are engaging in their own form of grooming of getting conservatives to accept that as the new normal. No. No. It's fine if you have extra allies fighting against the castration for minors, but you cannot allow it to stop there. And it's this is true for every issue. We need to, we have never been at a crossroads like this where we face such peril on the one hand, But on the other hand, because the left has overplayed their hands so much, precisely because they've had no opposition, so they had no reason to do, if we actually created a monicum of opposition at this point, the sky is the limit to how much we could stop. We need to utilize the strategies, the leverage points, the bills, the ideas, the talking points, all of it together with a sense of urgency to fight the issues now as they actually still matter. Send me your comments, questions, concerns, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com, at rmconservative on Twitter. You can find my columns either at Conservative Review or The Blaze. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really, really does help if you haven't done that until now. Um, doesn't have to be something long, but just a couple sentences. 
really helps with the algorithm. We need to get this word out. That's what we're going to do, provide unique information. I'm not going to, you know, if you notice my shows this week, it's not, I tell about what they're doing to Trump. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Okay, what are you going to do about it? And that's what we're going to talk about. What we're going to do about it. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening.